Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Oh yeah! Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again on this Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie. Hopefully we get through the whole show without the voice degrading tonight. That's what I'm hoping for. Then I'll definitely know that we're back. Back fit and firing. Tonight's drink recommendation, a glass of Galway pipe port and your suggested snack, goat's cheese served on croutons. Thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host. Hi, how you going? Hello. Hopefully for the next hour or so, we'll see how we go. Hope you had a lovely night. I certainly have. Um, I've got some very stark, some very confronting news for you today, though. The world is coming to an end, yes. We are going to document the end of the world as it happens live on this show Whether it's social apocalypse, political apocalypse, economic apocalypse, we've got it all, baby. It is apocalypse porn here tonight on the Daily Boogie live stream. So thank you so much for joining us. Let's all get together and celebrate the end of this shit show. Let's all get together and celebrate the end of humanity and the end of civil society as we know it. Because, look, we had a good run. You can't complain. We had a good run. For a bipedal species... Um, you know, we've done okay. We're not alligators here. We're not prehistoric. We're mammalian. We have a lot of shortcomings. We have a lot of flaws in the armor, a lot of chinks in the armor. A lot of people in China too. So we've done the best that we can. We've come this far, but unfortunately it all wraps up tonight here on the Daily Boogie. Um, so you better go over to DLive and follow me as quickly as you can, because there's only going to be like an hour or so left until we're all dead. Thank you to the people who have been following over on DLive. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. I, I've been considering this for... I'm, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but every every few months or so, I consider just going full alt platform. So, like, you know, just getting off Twitter, getting off Periscope, getting off YouTube. I like Periscope. I want to stay on Periscope. But sometimes I just feel like... Uh, should I do it? Should I just be a gab guy? Do I want to be one of those guys? Because, you know, you, you, you're you torn because you want to put your money where your mouth is. You want to go alt platform. You just want to be on Parler and you just want to be on Gab and you just want to go on like DLive and other streaming sites that aren't YouTube and other social media sites that aren't Twitter. But the problem is uh, you you definitely restrict your audience. Not that I have a big audience anyway. But you restrict your audience to like, you know, 10 people that just want to talk about one thing over and over again. So it's like, you know, is it really worth it or not? I don't know. I don't know. Every now and then I consider it. People are like, no, okay, fine. I won't. (laughs) I'll stick around. But do me a favor. uh, Head over to DLive TV. uh, Look for Boogie Bumper and give me a follow over there just in case. 
just in case. Either they get me or I commit harikari, fall on my own sword, one or the other. Whichever comes first, we'll see what happens. Whichever comes first. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me to get the hell off this platform, you bigot, then you can do so by following me on Twitter for now. <laughs> that boogie bumper. Uh, I will, I have to, I have to remember to open the chest at DLive um, before the show's over. So the more people who are on DLive, the more people who comment, DLive put Lino in the chest, which is like cryptocurrency. So at the end of the show, I can open the chest and it will give monetary rewards to people in the chat on DLive based on how many people have commented and all of that kind of thing, how many people are watching over there. So you'll get some freebies, maybe 20 cents, 30 cents. Now, Heisenberg is in the chat. Thank you for joining Heisenberg. I was watching you in the intro. You let me down because it took you a solid nine minutes to talk about the impeachment hearings. <laughs> nine minutes. Now, are you talking about the Adam Schiff-led impeachment hearing or the Jerry Nadler impeachment hearing? You know my policy, um, when they actually got the guy in handcuffs and they're dragging him out, that's when I'll talk about the impeachment hearing. But up until that point, it's just verbal masturbation. I've talked about the impeachment hearing on Trust and Verify in so much as uh, what what we read the, the statistics the other day printed in the Washington Post that the Democrats are getting less popular the longer the impeachment hearings go on, which was entirely predictable. In swing states, the uh, the approval rating of the president has almost doubled in some areas, in swing areas, which was, again, very predictable. And now you're having Democrats coming out saying, well, I don't think I really want to support impeachment. I really think that, sh that power should belong to the voters themselves, which, again, was entirely predictable because in their purple districts, in their swinging seats, hanging on to power with a very, very slim margin in those districts, impeachment is a very very dirty word and you know outside of the bubbles of la and new york generally speaking most people don't support impeachment even if they don't support donald trump so all of this is just like a slow motion it's it's a slow motion car wreck with when the car is filled with bad fortune tellers like all of this was very predictable and they knew that they were going to hit get hit by the mac truck because everybody was driving at five miles an hour I know. So if they actually lock the guy up, if they actually uh, do kick him out, then I'll talk about it. But until then, I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I find the whole charade a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you. It's interesting in, it's interesting in so much as it's probably the most well-publicized political suicide that I can recall. Like, they know that this is not going to work well for them at the election, but they're doing it anyway, which is mind-boggling. But good luck to them. Fair play. Um, today we're discussing the end of the world, but before we get to the end of the world, the end of the world is just going to have to wait. Sorry. Sorry. Before we get to the end of the world, we have to do a little bit of follow-up from yesterday's show, ladies and gentlemen. We spoke about... I'll get to that article in a minute. That's a doozy. That's a ripper. We spoke about Kamala Harris stepping down. Oh. oh. And we lamented the fact that
Kamala Harris was stepping down. We watched a video, a couple of videos on CNN where they were beside themselves. They couldn't explain why the Democrats who were so committed to diversity had the four front runners in their campaigns were all white people. And whilst Kamala Harris was stepping down, whilst Kamala Harris was quitting the presidential race with a record of about 2% or something like that, favorability amongst Democrat voters who apparently the media will tell you only care about diversity. They only want non-white people running, apparently. Yet the top four front runners are all white people. Uh, here's a little bit of info for you, Democrats. The media... And your politicians are lying to you. Just want to let you know, okay? In case you hadn't figured it out yet. So they were trying to say that Kamala Harris was so important because the Democrat Party is all about diversity and only cares about diversity. Then Kamala Harris is a key figure in this race because she's little Miss Diversity, apparently. And so they couldn't understand why she was stepping down. So we have to do a little bit of follow-up. Cory Booker, who I'm ve- I'm sure is is very upset that Kamala Harris has left. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he's really upset that Kamala Harris is in the ra- isn't in the race anymore. Why he do- he doesn't even want to be there if Kamala isn't there. Kamala Harris went on, uh, Booker Cory Booker went on MSNBC to talk about Kamala Harris dropping out. Let's do a little bit of follow-up. Well, let me just say, Kamala, before she was a senator, presidential candidate, she was my friend, she was my sister. Such a great so girl. Today, I'm a little angry, I have to say. that Angry? We started with one of the most diverse fields in our history, giving people pride. Yes. And it's a damn shame now that yes. the only African-American woman in this race... She's not! ...who uh, <laughs> has been speaking to issues that need to be brought up um, is now... No- Did he just call her African-American as well? Hello, Mr. Booker. This is Don Lemon calling. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Even Don Lemon will say that she's not (laughs) African-American. Yes, Spartacus called her African-American. But he's saying it's a damn shame. We started off with such a diverse field. Ladies and gentlemen, Cory Booker is calling his own voters racist. He's angry. He said, I'm angry. We had so much diversity here, but now they're leaving us with just the white people. What the hell is wrong with you voters? Why are my Democrat voters who I love so fucking racist? <laughs> you can't make this shit up. These people are unhinged. They have, they have no idea what they're doing. Cory Booker has no idea the words that are coming out of his mouth. I'm angry. Because we had such diversity. Now it's, now it's just the white folks that are running the show. I'm disgusted. He's talking He's talking to the people that he is relying on to vote for him. <laughs> Never mind what they think about Republicans. That's a, that's a side issue. They hate their own voters more than they hate you. You should be happy. This is a pathway to victory for Corey. I'll just insult my own voters and call them racist on TV. What could possibly go? I'll shame them into voting for me because I'm non-white. I'll shame them into voting for the black guy. That'll work. Senator, presidential candidate, she was my friend, she was my sister. And so today I'm a little angry, I have to say, that 
we started with one of the most diverse fields in our history, giving people pride. And it's a damn shame now that the only African-American woman in this race who is an African-American has been speaking to issues that need to be brought up. Um, This is the other thing, too. Because they, I, I, I know I said it yesterday, but I have to say it again. They just cannot bring themselves to admit that they're wrong. Even little statements like that are glaringly obvious. See, part of the problem for Kamala Harris, they they say that they speak the truth, but in roundabout ways without actually addressing it head on. Somebody on the CNN panel said she used a lot of people from California in her campaign, right? In her campaign staff. And whilst her tactics and her strategy work in California, it doesn't work in places like Iowa. They, they literally said that. And if you look at Kamala Harris's campaign messaging, what was it about? Racism, 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 race, 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 race. From top to bottom. That was her thing. I'm going to be the race candidate. I'm just going to talk about race issues and racism all the time. It works in California. Surely it'll work in the rest of the country, right? But they're so detached from reality. When you look at the actual facts, the four frontrunners are white people. Cory Booker gets on TV and says, she's saying things that need to be said. All the available evidence points to his own constituents, the Democrat voters saying, we've heard enough. We've heard enough of that shit. Like, what about healthcare? What about, what about uh, you know, income for the family? Stuff like that. They're talking about other things, Corey. The rest of the voting population is not talking about race 24 hours a day. Like the media will have you believe and like the political class will have you believe. That paradigm does not exist. If it did exist, then Kamala Harris would be on top of the list. Instead, she's walking out the back door. If race and diversity was the most important thing going on right now, the four frontrunners would not be white. And instead of acknowledging this reality, instead of understanding this reality and changing their approach and changing their message, what do they do? Cory Booker goes on TV and says he's angry because there should be more diversity. They cannot let it go. They are like drug addicts at this point. It's fucking wonderful. Is now no longer in it, and we're spiraling towards a debate stage that potentially we're still fighting to get on it, but could have uh, six people with no diversity whatsoever. Listen to this unhinged maniac. (laughs) Corey, the reason that it's heading that way is because that's what your voters want. That's what your voters want, you idiot. Are you understanding this at all, Corey? Do you see what's happening here? Corey, it's based on what the voters want, okay? The popularity for the candidates is based on what voters want, on who the voters want to vote for. I mean, we're spiralling towards this situation where there's... and See, they, they he doesn't even use the term like minority. He doesn't say non-whites. He says... There's going to be a debate stage with no diversity there. 
<laughs> Imagine being one of these people. They're referring to other people as diversity. Hello, this is my diversity friend. I'm not a racist because I have diversity friends. I used to work for a diversity. He was a real piece of shit. <laughs> my friends have, my children have lots of diversity friends. It's fucking unhinged. The way this is shaping up, especially with the rules of the DNC, yeah. uh, it is preferencing millionaires and billionaires and a lot of other things that don't ever translate into viability in Iowa. Right. But is that the so is it the DNC's fault or is it the electorate's fault or is it the sequencing of Iowa and New Hampshire? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not I'm not even thinking it's sequencing or the electorate. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, well, you, here we go. The system is to blame. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. This is too stupid now at this point. I had a friend get in touch with me and say, I disagree. Um, I think that just because they're not being prejudiced against white people doesn't prove that they don't care about diversity. Um, I say, I, rep I replied about, you're kidding, aren't you? Like, what more do you need? Really? We're going to stick to the, di we love diversity shit? It's working so well. <laughs> we better double down. Cory Booker gets on TV, says he's angry that the, the top candidates in his own party are white. He's angry that the, the constituents in his own party are voting for white people. He's angry that there might be a debate stage with no diversity on it. And it's, he doesn't blame the voters. No, no, no. He blames the system. Oh, it's because of the rules in the DNC and because of the way the votes are allocated. Oh, it's that, that's the problem here. We need, to, we need to redo the whole system so voters vote for other people that we want them to vote for and not who they want to vote for. That's the problem here. Fucking unreal, isn't it? Just let, just let them keep going. You can't Because you, you can't talk sense to these people. And I'll, I'll get somebody in the comments, I'll get somebody come in and say, this sounds like a racist channel to me. Because you'll point out that the Democrats are voting for white people. You'll point out that the Democrats don't care about diversity as much as the media and the politicians think they do. Then you'll get accused of racism for saying it. This this is the fucking world we live in. It is it is brim, it is wall to wall of unhinged, detached morons who just who are blinded by their programming to the point where they cannot see the the reality if it's if it's hitting them in the face. They cannot see it. They refuse to see it. So we just have to let them go. That's This is why the end of the world is coming. Congratulations, Cory Booker. Well done. Uh, another example of how to ignore truth, Spartacan style. Hell yeah. Uh, I thought this was a fun clip. Uh, we need to know more about Donald Trump's mental health. <laughs> we're, rolling, we're rolling this one out again. Why not? Seems like a good time. Let's check it out. The fragile mental state of Donald Trump was on display today in London, especially when he described Adam Schiff in a way that to many sounded like a reasonably accurate description mm. of Donald Trump. Snap. Sick burn, bro. I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. Yeah. I think he's a very sick man. <laughs> And he lies. 
And he lies. discussion now, Dr. Lenz. He's a very sick man, and he lies. Dotus, a former assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Dotus is a contributor to the best-selling book. The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Everybody's selling a book now. 37 psychiatrists and mental health experts assess a president. Now, if you look at the name of the bottom of this book, again, I don't know how many people who watch Lawrence O'Donnell would be aware of this one tiny little factoid that I'm going to put on the table here just for fun. I know it'll be completely ignored, but I'm just going to put this little factoid on the table just in case somebody wants to chew on it after dinner. The 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 name of the uh, lead author here, Bandy Lee. Now, Bandy Lee, the Psychiatric Association of the United States, after she was on multiple TV shows making pronouncements about the mental health of the president, arguably to sell more copies of this book, after she was writing opinion pieces about the mental health of the president, the Psychiatric Association, or whatever the equivalent is in the United States, had to actually come out and make a public statement and say, we do not endorse this person whatsoever. She is not a member of our association. They, they, had, to, they, had, to, <laughs> they had to disassociate themselves from this person. That's how unethical this is. That's how out of the box this is, that the medical association that oversees psychiatrists said, whoa, we don't want anything to do with this person. But this person's book and one of the experts who have contributed to this book, they get the inside rail on MSNBC. They get frontline interviews. Isn't it glorious? But the dangerous case of Donald Trump, 37 psychiatrists and mental health experts assess a president. Uh, Dr. Dotus, uh, there he is uh, today saying, I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. He grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man and he lies. Uh, What's your reaction to Donald Trump saying that about Adam Schiff? Well, you had Dr. Sh- uh, uh, Representative Schiff on earlier, and I think he got it exactly right. He said this is a projection. That's a exactly projection. what it is. He tells other people that they are what, what he is. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a common enough mechanism in early childhood. Um, <laughs> and um, it's... Yes, do not adjust your monitors. You are hearing this correctly. Ladies and gentlemen, MSNBC has brought on a former professor at Harvard Medical, a contributor to a book called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, written by a person who had to be disavowed by the Psychiatrics Association for their unethical behavior. They have brought this guy on essentially to make the case that the president is engaged in an adult version of takes one to no one. That's that's what they're doing here. The argument is, well, it takes one to know one. Boom. How's president? How's the president ever going to recover from this? It's but what as insight? an adult using it all the time, it's what we would call primitive. It's primitive. It's if if Donald Trump were capable of giving a reasonable discussion of something he didn't he's agree with, he would make some sort of logical case. Ah. But he, he's unable to do that. He runs kind of a simple program in that simple way. Simple program. So he tells... Simple program, primitive. He tells you that other people are what he is being accused of and what he actually is. So in that sense, Doctor, does that... <laughs> Great comment in the chat from Black Banner. I think is the world's greatest uh, euphemism for I don't know. 
mean that his source material for this, I love I love uh, media leading questions. It reminds me of The Simpsons when uh, I, I think the one where Homer goes into space, right? And they bring on this expert and they see the ant flying across the monitor and Kent Brockman freaks out and he turns to the guy next to him, the expert, the unnamed expert, and he says, Doctor, would you say that now would be a good time for our audience to start cracking each other's heads open and feasting on the goo inside? Well, yes, I would, Kent. So this kind of leading question stuff that goes on in the corporate press, it's fantastic. Some sort of logical case. But he, he's unable to do that. He runs kind of a... Listen to this one. Lawrence O'Donnell is the king of the leading question. ...will program in that way. So he tells, he tells you that other people are what he is being accused of and what he actually is. So in that sense, Doctor, does that mean that his source material for what he is saying is almost always himself? Because that's, <laughs> that's the only source material he has. <laughs> Uh, that's correct, Lawrence. So, Doctor, what you're saying is, is the... So, Doctor, are you saying that the president is a primitive man-child who engages in nothing but takes one to no one style arguments using himself as source material for his insults because he's really a piece of shit? Uh, that's correct, Lawrence. That's exactly what I would say. Yes, everything is about him. <laughs> Everything's about uh, him. As you pointed out, he doesn't have actual knowledge. So he has he no just knowledge. Says what feels he has no knowledge of anything. He is an empty vessel, you see. The president has no source material whatsoever to make these claims, ever. In the daily brief, the daily briefing that the president gets is just a blank piece of paper, and he doodles on it. He draws little quarter pounders. That's, that's, that's what really happens. Are you saying that the president's source material for everything in his life is himself because he has no knowledge of anything? Yeah, yes, that's correct, Lawrence. <laughs> Who watches this shit? <laughs> like, I watch the little YouTube clips and stuff, and I bring them on here because it's so easy to laugh. Like, I find it funny. But who watches this seriously? It's right to him, and especially what is for him, what he thinks is in his ah. personal uh, interest. Ah. Uh, your other guest was pointing out that he uh, is uh, uh, replacing America with himself and people who support him support him rather than the country. And I think that's also exactly right. <laughs> now he's giving a psychoanalysis of everybody. <laughs> it wasn't good enough for this hotshot. It wasn't good enough for this guy to give his expert opinions, his psycho, his psychiatric analysis of a guy that he's never sat down with and talked to, which, on, which is highly unethical to begin with anyway, bordering on criminal to make psychiatric pronouncements of people that you haven't actually had a session with. Like that's next level stuff. But he's not only doing it to the present, now he's doing it to everybody who supports him. <laughs> And, you know, I think I think the problem here is that uh, everybody who supports Donald Trump supports him and not the country. And I think that that's accurate. Listen, this guy's this guy's brilliant. I love this guy. Like many strong men, uh, the strong con man. that he has works con. because look out, look how many superlatives we've we've crowbarred into this little assessment, by the way. Primitive, childish, simple programming, con man, strong man, authoritarian, 
just go, we're, we're two and a half minutes in. He identifies himself with something that they love. What's that? In this case, America. Ah. So as long as they have the idea that he is America, that he represents America, he literally wraps himself in the flag, which he's done, uh, then it doesn't matter that he's Ah. uh, a sociopath. It doesn't matter that he has no (laughs) conscience. It doesn't even matter that he commits crimes against humanity, which he did when he- Crimes against humanity! Yes! (laughs) We We should take him to The Hague. Should be up there with with Adolf Hitler, Slobodan Milosevic, and Hermann Göring. <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's a sociopath. It doesn't matter that he commits crimes against humanity. Holy shit! There is something. There is something to say for the oversell. You know what I mean? It's like you know when you when you go to a car yard and the guy's up your ass. And he's like, man, I just want to look at some cars. Like, I'm not really committing to anything right now. But but look at this. Look at this 1998 Camry. Very low Ks. We just put a set of new tires on it. Great tires. Tremendous tires. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it, man. You know, I was thinking about a Camry, but, you know, yeah. Well, you absolutely. And they push you into the car, sit you down. You have to sit in it. You have to. Look at this trunk space. Can we go for a test drive? Can I take you for a test drive? Fucking please. Can I please take you for a test drive? You're going to love this car. You end up walking out of there. The guy was way too pushy. He was way over the top. It might have been, He might have been right. He might have been right. But you don't want to hear it anymore. Now, if this guy was a little more subtle in his approach, if he, was, if he had a little more decorum, if he was a little more rash, if he was a little more reasonable, then maybe people would listen. I mean, he was just on here saying the guy can't make reasonable arguments. Why? Because he's a sociopath and a genocidal maniac who's committed crimes against humanity. Oh, okay. You're obviously the go-to guy for the reasonable stuff. <laughs> he locked up children in cages. Ah, children in cages. Here we go. Uh, run through them. As long as they think he represents what they love, they will support him. I want to listen to something else. They they love locking children in cages. Trump said today in lo- it's a great way to keep them out of. Uh, it's a great way to stop them from burning their hands on the hot plate, though. To be fair, and we're going to hear him say that he doesn't. He's not going to say that. <laughs> no, no, Black banners on fire in YouTube. Kind of weird to get a medical assessment when you can't get painkillers without an office visit. <laughs> and then he says it in the next sentence. Let's watch this. Let's watch. Let's watch. In some ways, I think it's better to wait till after the election. You want to know the truth? I think in some ways it's better to wait till after the election with China. China. I'm not going to say that. I just think that. I just tell you. uh, In some ways, I like the idea of waiting till after the election for the China deal. So right in the middle of all of that, we hear him say, I'm not going to say that. I just think that. And he's already said it. And then he says it again. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> this is news now. Look, you, you have to be pretty dense at this point to not understand what he does when he when he does that. He does that all the time, right? Like he's being a smart ass, right? When he says, I wouldn't I would never say that Kim Jong-un is a fat piece of shit. I would never say that. He's being a smartass. He he's li- he's deliberately saying that so you'll repeat it. 
You, you still haven't figured this out. Now, the he, whatever his reasons are for wanting that kind of that thought bubble out there, well, maybe it's better to wait till after the election for the tri- for the China deal. Maybe he thinks that'll work more in his favor. Maybe he's trying to put like pseudo pressure on China without actually making a direct threat. You know, I just think personally that it would be better to wait till after. Like he's kind of like it's like, well, take the car, don't take the car, whatever you want. Whatever you, whatever you want to do, I don't care. You know, acting kind of blase about it. Because if you actually read uh, the economic data that's coming out of China, they're the ones that want to do a deal sooner rather than later. They are losing money hand over fist right now. Just just look at what's good. It's all bad press for China right now. Hong Kong is a fucking disaster for them. Their economy is going through the floor. Their export uh, worth is going through the floor. They want a new deal. So the president's like, well, maybe I, maybe I just think it'd be better to wait till after the election. But I just think that. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but So how does that translate on MSNBC? It translates into bringing in a psychiatrist and saying that this is evidence that Donald Trump is going mad. Because they're so dense, they can't understand anything at this point. It, it really is comical. Well, again, this is, uh, you have to understand, this is a man, as I said, who's running really a very simple program. I don't say that as an insult. It's just because it's true. He can only do what he does. And he is. uh... (laughs) If it's so simple, how come you haven't figured it out yet? (laughs) Is, Is that too obvious to ask? If it's so simple, why is it still confusing you? Why are you still getting everything wrong if it's so if it's such a simple plan? Uh, in in a way, he's he's limited by the limited capacity limited. of a person with uh, early emotional development. <laughs> he doesn't have much complexity to him, so <laughs> he says what he thinks, and it, he he you know it doesn't matter whether it's true. Truth means nothing to him, um, and other people mean nothing to him. <laughs> exactly, D Live Dingus. He can only do what he does. This is an expert. <laughs> Look, we, you are you are a uh, you know you, know, you are well regarded expert in this field of, of psychiatry. We want to bring you on and get your insights into why the president does what he does. Okay, great. So, what's your opinion? Well, you know, he does things pretty simply. Uh, he can only do what he does. I do what I feel like. I can only do what I do. The Once fuck you is get this? that concept that nothing matters, that, that no conscience, no no uh, morality. And everything else falls into place, and truth <laughs> means nothing. In, in your experience, doctor, how does? Okay, it's just it's just fucking gobbledygook. It's just nonsense. <laughs> uh, I thought this was fun. This came out today. Uh, Seven News down here in Australia. As you know, uh, I'm going to put my hand up sometimes from time to time. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. From time to time. I'll tune in and listen to a bit of Alex Jones. Oh, fuck. Because I think Alex Jones is the bee's dick. I just, I, we've done whole shows. We've done hour, an hour breakdown of a five-minute Alex Jones rant. And it's not, about, it's not about whether you like Alex Jones or dislike Alex Jones. It's the art of the rant. The peaks, the troughs. 
the you know the emotional portfolio he can go through during a five minute rant, his timing, the tempo, the rhythm of the rant. It's all it's all part of the magistry. It's all part of the tapestry that makes up the art form of ranting. And when it comes to the rant, nobody gets close to Alex Jones. He is the he is the Roger Federer of the online rant. Nobody's even close. So in one of his many rants over the years, he talked about the TV the TVs are listening to us guys. The smart TVs and of course, he was called a conspiracy theorist. He's a lunatic. What a fucking moron this guy is. They're listening. The TVs are listening to us. Come on. But I mean, this is uh, the biggest free-to-air news broadcast in this country, in Australia. By far the top, the the top rating. Seven News, free-to-air. It, it's beamed into every single home in the country. Have a look at this, what came out yesterday. They've never been cheaper, with more features than ever, including those which can put you on view to someone else. <laughs> this is just crazy conspiracy. They should be kicked off YouTube for this. Smart TVs... Spreading conspiracy theories like this? ...to be quite complex these days. They have Wi-Fi connections, they have Bluetooth connections, they've got audio and video recording devices. The FBI has alerted smart TV owners to the risks, which can be as simple as someone gaining control to change channels, adjust the volume, or show inappropriate content to children. <laughs> when the FBI is now coming out. We have a rep- we have a former expert from the FBI who says that everything that Donald uh, that Alex Jones says is complete nonsense. Coming up, the FBI is warning you that your smart TV can be hacked and people are listening to you with built-in microphones. Then sports. Worst case, a hacker can take control of your TV's camera and microphone to cyberstalk you. Oh, that- that's not weird at all. That's not creepy at all. Holy shit. They can turn on your bedroom TV's camera and microphone and silently cyberstalk you. You know, this Alex Jones guy, I just think he's an unhinged ranting lunatic. You know, I heard him one day uh, on his on his little show there on the internet talking about how people can hack in to smart TVs and turn on the camera and the microphone and watch you in your very own home. I mean, the guy is a raving fucking lunatic. Just news just in, we have a report here from the FBI. Uh, the FBI says, in a worst case scenario, they can turn on your bedroom TV's camera and microphone and silently cyber stalk you. Huh. Coming up after the break, why Donald Trump is a deranged, psychotic man-child and sociopath who's committing genocide and war crimes across the United States. Many consumers just don't realise how much data they're giving up Mm. to use those new features. Modern TVs may also send viewing information to big advertisers, including Amazon, Facebook and Netflix. This is, this is why whenever I watch TV, I do so naked whilst stroking myself and a big swastika painted on my belly. That's, that's how I watch TV now. Because I'm like, if you're going to hack in, you're going to get a show. <laughs> I do it with a cucumber hanging out of my ass. I only ever watch TV whilst doing a handstand and having uh, candle wax dripped onto my taint. 
that's how I that's how I enjoy my pro that's how I enjoy my stories these days. I just rub cake mix all over my face and then let 100 puppies lick it off while I, whilst I lay naked on the floor. That's how I enjoy TV. If you're going to hack in, man, you you better you better be prepared. It's, it's going to be a wild ride. It's not just going to be me sitting there scratching my ass watching, you know, the view eating chocolates. No, no, no. You hack into my TV, you better you better you just steal yourself. <laughs> Cuz you're going to come along for the ride whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. See, this is why I this is why I advocate um, you know, if you're concerned about people tracking what websites you view, I've been doing this for a long time. Always have two tabs open on your on your desktop at all times. One Bible verses and two tranny porn. It's like track that fucker. Now what? <laughs> Where are you going to put me now? Have you know an anti-gun uh, website open at the same time as the NRA website? Just just fuck with them if they, if you really believe it. Go for it, man. Some new TVs have facial recognition software to track who is watching and make program suggestions, adding another valuable layer of data to third parties and hackers. One of the best fixes is a low-tech option guaranteed to work. Some tape over the camera will prevent unwelcome crime. Oh, my crime. God! <laughs> They're fucking saying it! Holy shit! I, I didn't pre-watch this. Did you fucking hear that? Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, the corporate mainstream news has gone full conspiracy tard. They are, they are now saying the exact same thing to the point of saying, put some tape over the camera on your TV. Wow. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where if you suggested to some, you might still suggest that today to some people. Like, hey, put some tape over the camera on your phone so they can't spy on you. Whoa, listen to this crazy son of a bitch with these whacked out conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah, man, they're really going to tack into my television's camera. They're really going to watch me on my camera. You're an idiot, bro. As if that's ever going to happen. Coming up after the break, a low-tech solution to hacking of your smart TV. Why don't you just put some cam why don't you just put some tape over the camera? Wow. Exa exactly, UK Neil. What Alex said 30 fucking years ago. Play it again. I'll play it again. Suggestions, adding another valuable layer of data to third parties and hackers. One of the best fixes is a low-tech option. Guaranteed to work. I can't believe it. Some tape over the camera will prevent <laughs> unwelcome prying. There are also a range of options like disabling the microphone and the viewer information services. Most important. Wow. That'll that'll do me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done now at this point. Wow. Because you know this the the aggravating thing about this is the the fucking annoying part about this is. It's going to be the exact same assholes who when you had a conversation with them at a barbecue or something and like you were just casually chatting and for some reason this topic would come up. Hopefully you didn't bring it up. Hopefully somebody else brings it up. But then you bring up something like, hey, did you know that those those smart TVs are hackable? Like people can hack in and watch you through your camera and stuff. Or you pulled out your phone and they noticed the tape over the camera and someone was like, hey, why do you put tape on your camera? What do you do that for? You some kind of conspiracy nut? 
What are you, some kind of fucking psycho? You think they're watching you through your camera or something, bro? What's wrong with you? It'll be that very same guy who will just completely forget that you had this conversation like five years ago at a barbecue. And this very same guy watched that news report and now has tape on his camera and he's now telling you about it. He's now the guy that's going to come up to you and say, man, I saw it on the news last night. Have you got tape on your camera yet? You know that they're watching you through the camera and you'll be like, I fucking told you about this five years ago. Come on, man. If you told me, I would have remembered this shit, okay? But they said it on the news, so you need you need to check it out. You need to watch this news report. They're hacking into the cameras, man. I put tape on my camera last night. You need to do it too. <laughs> It'll be the very same asshole who says that. Without fail. Let's do a couple of articles here, shall we? If you just tuned in, you'll tune in to the end of the world, courtesy of the Daily Boogie. How climate change is causing more premature births. Yep. Yep. Just let that sink in for a moment. I mean, if we can't abort the babies, we better get them out now. I'm going to read it. (laughs) Are you ready? Are you ready for some science fact, bitch? We know climate change has a myriad of effects on human health, including an increase in allergies and asthma. Now, a new study, there's always a new study, because the last study didn't, didn't cause the ripples that we wanted it to. So we need a new one. Come on, let's get more extreme here. Was Greta a premature birth? Might explain some things. Now, a new study has uncovered how climate change is having an insidious effect on pregnant humans. Pregnant humans. The report published in Nature Climate Change. No, it's not. It's not the. Uh, it's it's not the New Science Daily. It's not the Scientific American. No, it's called Nature Climate Change. Suggests Earth's rising temperatures are increasing the risk of early delivery. A baby is considered to be premature when they are born at 37 weeks or earlier. While many factors contribute to premature birth, extreme heat is one of them, according to researchers. So that's good. We only have to worry about the premature births in the summer months. So we can narrow it down to at least three or four months a year. That's great. Alan Berecker, an associate professor of environmental economics at UCLA's Institute of Environmental Sustainability, and author of the study, told Salon he chose to analyse this correlation because Earth is currently seeing more intense and prolonged heat waves and climate models predict they will only get worse. In a report released last summer by the Union of Concerned Scientists, scientists estimated that 160 urban areas in the United States will end up with at least 30 days each year that exceed a life-altering heat index of 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Later in the century, between the years of 2070 and uh, 2099, conditions are expected to be much worse if nothing is done to slow the rate of carbon emissions. God, I I still hate that term, carbon emissions. I, I know it's like an autistic thing to get hung up on, but if you're going to claim to be the people who respect the science, can you at least respect the science enough to call carbon dioxide carbon dioxide? Because carbon is not carbon dioxide. 
And when you complain about the things that come out of the exhaust pipes of the cars, that's not carbon dioxide either. That's called carbon monoxide. And believe it or not, even though they all have the name carbon in them, they are all three, they are three very different things. Very different things. So when you go around saying, I care, I trust the scientists and I care about carbon pollution, to someone like me who has just a very rudimentary, you know, science education, like, you know, not even not even beyond high school, to somebody with that teeny tiny level of scientific education, you sound like a complete fucking idiot when you say carbon pollution. Because carbon pollution ain't a thing. You can say carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide, but just carbon, that's something different entirely. Sorry, that just that just fucking annoys me. Like, I don't even care about the argument. At least get the name of the thing that you're arguing about right if you're going to go around and claim to be this big this person who believes, oh, I trust the scientists. I trust the scientists so much I don't even have to know the correct term. Berecker and co-author economist Jessamine Schaller of Claremont McKenna College looked at 56 million birth records from 1969 to 1988. Brecker told Salon they chose that time period because it was before the vital statistics system became more cautious about the information it made public. We realised that the way people had worked at studying the health impacts of extreme heat in the third trimester needed a new look. So we came up with an approach where we said, okay, after an unseasonably hot day, how many more births did we see? This, this study has no flaws in it whatsoever. Let's check for a hot day and then see how many babies were born. <laughs> this is fucking great. This this is the end of the world. <laughs> Using the available data, Berecker and Schaller found that when temperatures reached or exceeded 90 degrees Fahrenheit in a US county, the birth rate per 100,000 women increased by 0.97. This was compared to dates in which the temperature ranged between 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Interestingly, two days after exposure to the extreme heat, birth rates decreased by 0.57. Brecker says this corroborated the idea that births occurred earlier than expected. You know, there probably is, let's be fair here, there probably is something to birth rate and heat. You know why? Like, just look at the globe. Where it's really, 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 really fucking cold, like up near the Arctic Circle in the Nordic countries and stuff, the population isn't that great. In fact, the population uh, is declining in very cold countries, right? Now, if you look around the equator, where it's the hottest in places like, say, Africa or China or the Middle East, population is fucking exploding. It seems where the heat is, life flourishes. That's another thing that they never explain in these little uh, articles either. Any any scientist who is worth their uh, pinch of salt will tell you that extreme heat doesn't kill people nearly as much as extreme cold kills people. Because on the hottest places of Earth, you have like rainforests and shit. High humidity, like you've got insects and bugs and everything. It's just brimming with life around the equator. And you get to the coldest places on Earth, there is nothing there except penguins and seals and that's it. And a few scientists. People die in extreme cold. Life thrives in heat. 
But they never explain that. What are you going to do? I just can't believe they were looking for hot days on the calendar and then checking how many babies were born the next day. We've got a study. We've got a study here, guys. There you go. How climate change is causing more premature births. Solid. Rock solid info. Uh, this one was sent through by General Eaton on the Discord. Thank you so much for joining us, General. <laughs> Again, I'm telling you, this is it's a, this is a convergence of all of these weird stories coming to a head. <clears throat> Cows wearing VR headsets might produce better milk. <laughs> yes, DLive. Aren't these the same people that want to reduce population through abortions and brainwashing women into not having families? The very same. The very same. They're happier in virtual fields than confined farms. Well, if it works for the cows, surely it'll work for us. Monica, thanks for joining us. I, I need to say hello to Monica because Monica always comes in and always chats and always makes lovely comments. But I... I I always miss your comments when I'm on the show. Like, you choose to comment at the exact moment when I look away from the screen. And so I feel like I'm always ignoring... I'm not ignoring Monica. Hello, Monica. Thank you for joining us. Monica is one of the OG listeners to this program. She's been around for the longest time. I think, like, after three months, a couple of years ago, Monica was here. So everybody say hello to Monica. Thank you for commenting, Monica. (laughs) I'm not ignoring you, Monica. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I hope I didn't make you feel silly. Cows wearing VR headsets might produce better milk. They're happier in virtual fields than confined farms. It's not just humans who can benefit from VR. Moscow area farmers strapped modified VR headsets to cows to see it if, if it improved their mood and, of course, their milk production. Uh, <laughs> The project subjected cattle to a simulated summer field with colours tuned for the animal's eyes, giving them a decidedly more pleasing landscape than a plain confining farm. And yes, the headsets were adapted to the structural features of cows' heads so they could see properly. It appears to have worked, at least on a basic level. The first test reduced the cow's anxiety and boosted their overall sentiment. While it's not certain how well this affects the quality of volume of milk, there are plans for a more comprehensive study to answer that question. Don't you think this is fucking grand? Like, so if it works for the, if the cows are happier in virtual reality, how long is it going to be before somebody comes out and says, well, we've tested this shit on cows. You know, if we strap, uh, you know, Don Johnson here at the accounts department into a virtual reality headset, and instead of sitting in the boring, depressing office, under the fluorescent tubes, he's instead imagining himself sitting at a, I don't know, a a bar in the Caribbean somewhere, sipping a cocktail whilst girls in bikinis wander to and fro and he's just got his laptop in front of him. Maybe he'll produce better work. Maybe that's the future. Maybe we all need to get on the virtual reality bandwagon because our, our real life objective lives here are so depressing and so inadequate. We could be producing so much more stuff if we hook in to the virtual reality. I mean, it works for the cows. Why not? We're just animals too. On the other side of the ledger, monkeys to be sterilized by AI after rampages as aggressive primates targeted. No, no, this is not a city in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. This happened in India. 
I will not hear any kind of those racist comments. Absolutely not. AI sterilizing the monkeys? What? Attacks by aggressive monkeys in India have been reaching epidemic proportion epidemic proportions. Monkey rampages in India. Yes. <laughs> this is what I get out of bed for. And humans are having to go to extreme lengths to control them. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at a monkey rampage. Uh, is that the Wizard of Oz music? <laughs> Gangs of monkeys. I'm, I'm telling you, it's the end of the fucking world. We're strapped. We're <laughs> Donald Trump is a genocidal maniac who's a sociopath and needs to be he needs to be committed and held down and have needles shoved into his arm to cool him. Denver Knight, racist. <laughs> Sorry, it's just too easy. <laughs> he needs to be strapped down. He's a genocidal uh, sociopathic maniac. We need to take care of him. We need to. We're strapping virtual reality headsets onto cows so they can produce more milk because they're too fucking depressed living in a farm. And monkeys are going on man-eating rampages in India. B climate change is causing premature births. What a time to be alive! That's what people are seeing all over the streets of India. They're also taking over government buildings. Wow. <laughs> We're doomed. We're fucked. We're fucked. India is fucked. The monkeys are taking over government buildings, ladies and gentlemen. Where do we go from here? as they turn the city of New Delhi into their personal playground. Ah, oh, God, Phils! <laughs> They've even taken to the presidential palace. They're taking over the president. It's a coup! It's a monkey coup! It's estimated there are between four and 5,000 rhesus macaque monkeys causing havoc in the area. I, I, once, I once watched a documentary on this, like, years ago. Again, I, I told you before, I'm a very boring person when when it gets down to it. And there's there's like a there's like an elite police unit in Mumbai, which used to be called Bombay in India. And this elite police unit, I, I shit you not, it's their job to get rid of the monkeys from like these little townships and stuff. But because of Indian sensibilities, right? And because the monkey is like a sacred animal in some way in their weird religion. It's considered like you, you're not allowed to kill the monkeys. You're not allowed to exterminate the monkeys. So this the, the job of this peop these people, right, this elite unit, is to chase the monkeys to a different place. But, but they, can, they never chase the monkeys out of, like, the city or anything. It's not like the Pied Piper. They don't lead the monkeys away. They, they just work every single day moving the monkeys from one part of the city to another part of the city. And so they come, they go to work, they shift, so they shift the monkeys from this suburb and the monkeys then run into the next suburb and they clock off. And then they go into work the next day and they go to where they chase the monkeys to and then chase them into another suburb and then they clock off. And then the next day they go to work again and they chase the monkeys into a different suburb. Eventually they get back around to the first suburb that the monkeys were at. So they just constantly move the monkeys from one suburb to another. They never actually pick them up. They never capture them. They never exterminate nothing. 
It's just a job for life. You'll just be chasing. It's hurting. Exactly. You're just hurting monkeys for the rest of your life. It's a fucking amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and like, this is all very normal over there. It's, oh, it's just the monkey patrol. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. They're moving the monkeys from our house to, you know, uh, you know, Bob's house down the street. They'll be back next week. They can only chase the monkey so far before they come back. So, Government officials have apparently been complaining about them, going so far as to tell people not to make eye contact with the animals. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to I don't want to alarm you. But the city is currently under attack from a, is it a herd of monkeys? Is that is that the group term? There are rioting monkeys in the streets. They are taking over government buildings. Good citizens of Mumbai, if you see a monkey in the street, do not make eye contact with the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just footage of people walking down the street whistling. <laughs> Looking the other way as a pack of wild monkeys runs down the street. Bloodthirsty monkeys running to the next government building. It's like, don't look at them. Little ram shit, don't look at the monkeys. If you look at the monkey, you will curse the village. Don't do it. It's even said authorities have hired around 40 monkey chasers to help. See, monkey chasers, I fucking told you. Problem. They're not monkey catchers, they're monkey chasers. It's a real thing. I, I would never lie to you, my beloved audience. But some say the simple step of not providing food to the monkeys could make a difference. If you have garbage and food available, then you are sending wrong signals to the monkey. It's good. Yeah, you're better off you're better off just walking down the street and making sure you don't make eye contact with the monkeys. That's a better signal to make. Cause maybe then the monkey might wake up and realize, well, maybe I'm not welcome here. I I, I guess. I guess I could pick up on signals. It seems like they don't want us in their little suburb anymore. Hmm. Hmm. What, you too good for me, huh? Hey, Kartik, you too good for me? You son of a bitch. What, you can't look me in the eyes, huh? You motherfucker. <laughs> Rampaging monkeys, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Free shit. Don't worry. I've got, I've got one more story and then I will open the chest in D-Live. Get that free shit happening. Again, it's the end of the world. Vampires are real. And they walk among us, claims researcher who says he's met them. He's met the vampires. The man who investigated the real vampires of New Orleans, New Orleans, talks to Daily Star Online about the secret subculture of bloodsuckers. Let's have a look at this. Real vampires. Uh, but are there people who consume human or animal blood? Are there people who take what they call psychic energy from people? Well, yes, there are. And they, they call themselves human vampires. Or I'm a human vampire. Oh, you're a LARPA. You're, you're a weird goth leftover from the 90s who has nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, man, I just, I just live the vampire life. Vampire styles for life, bro. You know how it is. Go around drinking blood, whatever. 
The best part about not but the best part about being a human vampire is you don't really have to only live at night and suck on blood. Like you can have a piece of cake from time to time. You can just tell people you're a vampire, but you don't have to actually commit. I want you to commit. If you're going to call yourself a vampire, you have to eat nothing but blood. It should be a rule. It's like, okay, if you if you want to if you want to commit to the vampire identity, then we're watching your leavings. We're watching your crap. If I see anything in there that even resembles, you know, green beans or potatoes, you're out of the club. Only drink blood from now on. Real vampires. Real uh, vampires. Before they start doing that, though, they usually, just after puberty, begin feeling energy deficient. They. <laughs> this guy's fucking serious, by the way. He's not, ta- he's not talking about LARPers. He's not talking about people who pretend to be vampires, like on the weekend, to have a little bit of fun. Like, you know, like um, taking Dungeons and Dragons to the bar where the goth girls hang out, biting chicks on the neck and saying you're a vampire for, for sex shit. But then he's not talking about that. He's talking about vampires who become vampires after they hit puberty. So after puberty, they start realizing, you know, I, mum, dad, I have an announcement to make. You know, my body is changing and I'm starting to notice things. Girls, son, are you starting to notice girls? Yes, but... The nape of their neck. That's what I'm starting to notice. You know, the throbbing vein in the side of their neck. Well, well, son, I know we probably should have had this talk a long time ago, but um, when we think about girls, we, you know, we tend to think of, you know, the parts, the, you know, the, the appealing parts, you know, like say the breasts or the legs or the butt. You know, are you finding yourself looking at that? No, not really. I, I just want to uh, drink their blood. I've got this urge to drink their blood. It's like, it's, you, you'd rather, <laughs> are, you, are you sure you're not gay, son? Can you please be gay instead? Like, we might have to explain a few things down at the church, but I'd rather you be gay than, you know, think about drinking girls' blood. Don't know if I can tell the pastor about this feel sluggish. They feel like they can't maintain anything close to a healthy or energized lifestyle. And eventually, usually by accident, they come in contact with uh, someone else's blood, like in a fight. Or they buy some meat that has some blood-tainted residue in it. <laughs> so they, these poor teenage vampires, they get to an they feel like they feel run down. I don't have any energy. I, I, you know, I just can't get it together, man. I feel like I'm not myself. And then I got into a fist fight in school and a part of this kid's blood uh, just landed in my mouth. And then it was like. <laughs> then I turned into a ravenous maniac. Then everything made sense. Then I had the energy to climb Mount Everest. Once I got my first taste of blood, I couldn't stop. And after consuming either war or blood, they feel better. They feel energized. They feel like the people around them. After they realize they need blood or energy to feel sustained and energized, they need to continue that process. So they... <laughs> this is fucking amazing. This guy's an expert. Well. Find donors through networks, through networking with other real vampires. And when they... Other, f- other real vampires. Find someone who might be, you know, uh, susceptible to this idea. They have their blood tested. The vampire ha- has his or her blood tested. And once it's discovered that things are relatively safe, they will take the blood or energy of this person on a on a weekly basis. (laughs) 
that's the thing too. Now you um, you have to realize in today's day and age, ladies and gentlemen, of promiscuity. Um, you know, we we like people to practice safe sex. You know, we need to teach the children about safe sex. You know, kids always wear a condom. You don't you know you don't want to contract some kind of STD. Imagine how difficult it is for the vampire now. It's like you're about to bite down on somebody's neck in an alleyway, and it's like, can can we just take you down to the doctors first? Can I just can I just get you a checkup before I eat you? Is that can we do that, please? Because I know there's a lot of HIV in this area here. I, the reason I come here is because it's lack security and people are willing to, you know, have sex in back alleys, which makes it easy for me. But I just want to get you tested first. No, I'm clean, bro. I'm clean. You can eat me. I'm totally clean. Wow, that's insulting, man. You have to blood test your victims when you're a, when you're a vampire in 2019 before you feast on them. How awful for the vampires. What a terrible layer of complexity added to the vampire-food relationship. Um, should we do one more story here? Uh, here's, a, here's a quick one for you. All of these links will be in the show notes for those interested. This is what investigative journalists are doing right now. Elon Musk says pedo guy was a common insult in his youth. We checked with his schoolmates. I don't know if they're defending the pedos or if they just want to, um, you know, haul Elon Musk over the coals. I don't, I don't really get why this is important, but apparently it is. Was pedo guy a common insult in the among the youth during 1980 South Africa? I could think of a, a few common insults in 1980 South Africa that might have been more common than pedo guy. <laughs> just putting that out there for for digestion. That's one of the questions currently before a federal court in Los Angeles, which heard opening arguments in a defamation lawsuit against Tesla CEO Elon Musk on Tuesday. The trial will interrogate Musk's public spat with British cave explorer Vernon Unsworth, who helped rescue a Thai youth soccer team from a flooded cave in July 2018. Everybody remembers that story. After Unsworth insulted Musk's ultimately unsuccessful to attempt to help with the rescue by building a small submarine, the Tesla CEO tweeted that the British explorer was a pedo guy. <laughs> Musk then told BuzzFeed that Unsworth had a 12-year-old child bride based on information from a private investigator who'd previously been convicted of fraud. This is all this is all kinds of fucked up here. Unsworth lawyers are now suing for unspecified damages and accusing Musk of using his platform, which includes tens of millions of Twitter followers, to falsely smear a private citizen as a pedophile. U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson told the court that the case would hinge on whether a reasonable person would read Musk's tweets as accusing Unsworth of pedophilia. Alex Spiro, Musk's lawyer, asserted in his opening statement that the term pedo guy is in fact a nebulous insult that was popular during Musk's youth in South Africa and does not literally refer to pedophilia. <laughs> during his, this is what the rich, this is the lifestyles of the rich and the famous here. <laughs> During his own testimony on Tuesday, Musk said, pedo guy, pedo guy is used in other countries also. It's quite common in the English-speaking world. I'm quite confident if you do a search, it will just say creepy old dude. To check Musk's claim that pedo guy was a term commonly used when he was growing up in South Africa, 
I got in touch with 17 people who attended Pretoria Boys High School in the 1980s around the same time that Musk did. <laughs> Musk. <laughs> imagine getting this call. Imagine, imagine like you're a farm worker in Pretoria and South. Yes, hello. Hi, hi. My name's Sally. I work for Slate in the United States, the online magazine. I'm just calling uh, to speak to you about Elon Musk. Uh, I, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in buying one of the uh, one of the supercars that I saw on television. But thank you, thank you anyway. No, 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 no. I just want to know. Uh, did you ever use the term pedo guy when you're in high school, or you know? Can I can I talk to you about the farm murders and the rapes which are happening right now? You know, there's a big story here right now happening with the farm murders and the rapes and, and the economy is getting quite poor here in South Africa. Would you like to know about that? No, no, no. I just want to know if you ever ever called anybody a pedo in math class. Did you ever do that? Okay, thank you very much. Yes, yes, but the farm murders... Of those 17 people, the author continues, 13 of them said they did not remember the term. Three people said they'd heard pedo used in their youth... And one person remembered hearing various permutations of pedo guy. So it's not looking good for Elon Musk, unfortunately. He says the pedo guy was common. We asked 17 random people who grew up in the same county as him, who, who went to the same high school as him, roughly around the time that he went to that high school. And only one person can uh, confirm the use of the term pedo guy or some kind of permutation to it. So we've done our job. Democracy dies in darkness, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Sensational work from the good people of Salon. Um, all right. I need to, I'm going to open the chest, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on DLive. Let's go. We're now distributing the awards. So there's something new. There's something fun. <laughs> Are we having fun on D-Live? Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that'll bring us to the end of the world and the end of this broadcast for another day. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to call me a pedo guy, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person PLTCS at chrismc44 at censored underscore Thank you to the people who have followed on DLive. If you if you can bring yourself to do it, then please do. Uh, DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Uh, I'll be back Sunday night with Trust and Verify with the flying Hawaiian James R. And then back again for another episode of The Daily Boogie on Monday. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.